Welcome to another edition of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, where we bring together successful C-suite executives to explore their stories at the intersection of leadership and engineering. We believe leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants, we can build strong, engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Each interview was led by Doug Hawk, chemical engineer, business executive, and the creator of Engineering Leadership. I'm Ben Fanning. Let's get started. Hey there, in this episode, we feature Dr. Anand Gramapati, the Dean of Clemson University's College of Engineering, Computing and Applied Sciences. You'll discover the foundational elements of engineering leadership, why Clemson's engineering department was compelled to become the academic partner of the project, the Dean's hopes for the future of engineering students, and then here is your three bullet summary. Number one, students should be prepared not only as great engineers, but also as great leaders. Number two, engineering combined with great leadership skills can catapult you within any organization. And number three, the empowerment of your team members is a foundation for a successful team. Let's dig in and enjoy the episode. Hello, I'm Doug Hawk, your host for Engineering Leadership. Thanks for joining us today for another great episode. You know, at Engineering Leadership, we believe leaders are built, not born, and that nailing the constants, we can build strong engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Joining me today is a very special guest on our journey and, and one that I've been looking forward to across many of these episodes, Anand Gramapati, Dean of College of Engineering, Computing, and Applied Science at Clemson University. Um, Clemson University's largest college. Anand oversees 12 academic departments, 300 plus faculty members, 250 staff, and enrollment of over 7,200 students. His leadership role includes many areas of success, but none more impressive to me than his committed focus to develop high quality, diverse, and inclusive talent pools supporting the pressing engineering and computing needs of the upstate and beyond. In the last four years under his stewardship, the college has increased the number of female graduates by 48% and underrepresented minority graduates by 68%. Um, so again, a, a dedicated researcher and engineer in his own right, uh, was named the National Academy of Engineering as one of the top 60 engineers in the country. Um, and, and obviously a, a very important leader. And to engineering leadership, uh, what I consider just a founding partner in our efforts at what we're doing here, Anand, your encouragement and insights and, and uh, discussions over the years as we've tried to craft these materials and pull this program together have been, you know, essential and, and foundational to our efforts. So can't say enough about having you join us today. So thank you for your time and, and for spending a little time with us. Uh, thank you, Doug, and thank you for shepherding this effort. Uh, um, this will become... Um, a valuable resource, not just for our students and faculty, but for the broader engineering community. Uh, and let it be known, uh, sometimes we don't realize the value of the work we are doing at that period in time. Uh, and people will go back uh, probably after a few years down the line and go back and look at the series of episodes that they are pulling together, uh, the diversity of people, uh, ideas and thoughts that we have brought into this conversation. Uh, and we will be extremely thankful for your leadership and putting this series together. Uh, as, as you and I have talked about it, 
this series um, is not static. It will keep on growing. Uh, uh, you will add uh, new ways of doing things. Just because leadership um, is all about continuous improvement, uh, we tend to learn uh, from our past mistakes and learn from our mentors and peers. So uh, once again, I'm grateful to have you leading this effort. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Happy to do it. You know, getting back to kind of our premise of the mindset, right, of, of just that leadership is not this, it's not this mythical topic. It's not something folks are just born into that, you know, we can all be great leaders with enough hard work and discipline and approach to, you know, taking that engineering approach to breaking down a complex topic. Um, you know, how does this, how does that mindset and this kind of framework fit with your approach to education, developing young, aspiring, you know, technically minded folks into what we hope are very successful engineers. And, and, and Doug, you raise a very important point. Uh, uh, we in education field uh, always have prepared, um, whether it's engineers or computer scientists, um, with a skill set um, um, to take up the next jobs. Uh, and often, um, uh, the whole idea of being a leader, um, taking charge, or uh, putting your hand up and saying, I can do it, uh, is not something we talk about uh, in the classroom. Uh, but we try to foster that by having projects, by students working in teams. Uh, um, it's not deliberate sometimes. It needs to be. Uh, faculty members talk about it. Uh, the faculty members uh, carve out roles for students. But I think um, having a series like this uh, is very important. Uh, and having students think themselves not just as en engineers, but think themselves as leaders, entrepreneurs, innovators, is what I call a mindset change. Uh, because when they leave the shores of Clemson University and take up their first job, uh, and get ready to go to work. Somewhere there, when they start that first job, they are always on an interview, even from the day one. And somebody out there, the vice president, who is looking at this young lady or young man joining the company and saying, I can see this person who's a great engineer, great talent, but I can see in her or him as my future vice president. What is it that about that individual that makes the current vice president say that. It's beyond engineering technical skills. Right. Uh, and what, what is that recipe? Uh, what is uh, that playbook that this individual joining that company uh, is working off? Can, can we decipher that and share that playbook with every single student who is graduating? And if we do that really well, uh, then we will prepare our students not just to become great engineers, but to be great leaders. Good points. I mean, I guess I would say with where do you think this kind of material and exposure fits? I mean, there's a tremendous, you know, one of the things about engineering curriculums is that they are, they are intense, right? There's a, there's a lot of coursework. There's a lot of, you know, the, the, I mean, obviously, we narrow down into a particular discipline along the way, but the foundation is pretty broad. Uh, where do you think it's best, or is it? Is there a 
is there a better time earlier versus later, or is it a, or do you see it as a continuum throughout the curriculum that we can work in leadership topics? Yeah, I, I think it's a continuum. It's, um, uh, you see leadership uh, um, from, from the very time from, from your school years, whether it's a, a, in the soccer field uh, when you're a child or on uh, on a swim team. Uh, there is this, always this young woman or young man organizing the group, uh, getting everyone ready, whether you're on a speech and debate team. So um, there is always that one person uh, who knows to make sure that everybody is there on the bus, on the school bus for the road trip and gets all their friends organized. Who, who is that person doing it? Uh, why are they doing it? Uh, why are they willing to uh, service themselves in that role. Uh, and some um, do not realize the importance of doing that. Uh, it's almost uh, akin to a servant leadership. Um, that, uh, and then the teacher or the, the professor is very thankful that, that they have this young woman or young man in the classroom who will get everybody lined up behind a specific goal or an objective of the class or the organization. So it starts very early on. It starts uh, with uh, parents. It starts with friends. Um, you learn with the people you work with. Uh, sometimes you learn from uh, people who do things better than you. Sometimes you learn from people who don't do the right thing. Uh, and throughout the whole process, throughout the whole continuum, uh, you learn that in your freshman year. When your friend is having challenges, how do you help your friend who is having challenges? That uh, you getting good grades doesn't mean that uh, your friend doesn't have to get good grades. So how do you help your friend? How do you tutor that young man or young woman to be successful? Or how do you yourself go out and seek help? Uh, and that starts with looking at teachers, looking at faculty members, looking at mentors. Um, as a dean, I'm my mentors have even been students. Uh, I, I look at a young man uh, who just joined Clemson and he graduated and he's going to join med school. Um, and I, I told my wife, I wish I could be him uh, because he's such a great leader. Uh, you call him up for anything and no is never an answer. Uh, he's a solution seeking person. So mentors, can come in different form and shape. They don't necessarily have to be older than you. Uh, they can be younger than you. And it's our willingness to accept uh, advice and seek and surround ourselves with the best people. That's what I would say. Great points there. I think, you know, we, as we've done this series and we have almost, you know, we've done 16 hours of, of interviews and discussions now with some tremendous leaders from across Nearly all, you know, a broad range of engineering disciplines, a broad range of companies and businesses and communities and backgrounds. Um, every one of, and, and universally, every single person we've talked to has said, you know, I walked off campus with all the technical skills I needed to succeed. Like I felt well-grounded, well-prepared, but we never talked about these topics. What what do you, and, and, but many of us, I mean, I've been out for 25 years now, so I'm, you know, things have obviously changed. What's Clemson doing different now? I mean, obviously this is part of a, a broader effort, I think, that uh, the whole university is focused on, but you particularly with, with engineering, 
and sciences. Um, how have things changed? What's, how are we getting these materials and topics in front of students throughout the curriculum today? And, and what do you see changing you know, going forward as we continue to work on it? And so um, if you really believe in it, then you will have programming to support it. If you believe in leadership, then you need to have a cultivated program. And so and it starts from the top. Uh, it starts with our president. Uh, Jim Clemens has the President's Leadership Institute. Okay, uh, which cultivates the next generation of uh, academic leaders, not just for Clemson, but beyond Clemson. Right. Um, um, that translates to the, the dean's office. And so what do we do? Uh, we have a program called Lead Forward uh, out of a college, um, which prepares students um, and exposes them to different styles of leadership, exposes them to different audiences, exposes them to that leadership is not uh, just reading a book. Uh, leadership uh, is how you conduct yourself. Uh, leadership is how do you drive an organization? How do you make meaningful change? Uh, how do you have an impact on people? How, do you, how much are you willing to listen to people and accept diversity of ideas, thoughts, and people to create a robust, inclusive environment? So we have tried to do that. Um, through um, the Lead Forward program. Uh, we have a program called the Grand Challenges Scholars Program where every student who comes into Clemson does not just get engineering or computing, but it gets a cross-disciplinary experience first. Is involved in a research pro project and leads a research project. Mm -hmm. Gets involved in entrepreneurship activities. Gets involved in global engagement activities because the world is a small place now. Okay, and fifth, learns to give back as part of a service learning effort. And the idea is um, a good leader uh, has this holistic perspective on what they are. Um, they are not only a good engineer. Engineering prepares you very well because it allows you to start thinking very analytically. Uh, and that combined with great communication, great listening, and great leadership skills uh, can catapult you into any organization at the very top. And that's why you will see uh, and look at Wall Street Journal, you have more engineers uh, as CEOs and in senior leadership of companies. Because if you can combine the leadership playbook along with strong analytical background, uh, that's a winning recipe. You bring up an interesting thought that we've we've talked about with several of our in several of our interviews, which is, you know, do you, you know, we think part of this mission is is that in today's world of you know where technology and uh, you know underpins not just technology businesses but every business in in fundamental ways, much it always has played a role, but it seems to be a, a much more central role. I mean, one of the one of the questions we're talking about as executives is, you know, you wouldn't form, you, you, you look in any company and, you know, every, every leadership team has an accountant, you know, typically they've got a general counsel or an attorney, right? They, they've got, you know, marketing and sales leadership. They've got, you know, but how many well-rounded sort of complete leadership teams have that technical understanding and analytical thinking, right, as present. And it's it just, I think one of the things that we're talking about in, in 
in executive circles around the country is, you know, where's your engineer? This is yep. part of the question we, we want people to ask of, you yep. know, is there a, do you have a technically minded analytical thinker on your leadership team to help round it out? Just like you would as you're looking around the room and say, wait, we don't have a marketing or salesperson engaged. What, what are we doing? Yeah. So I, I do- I, I, and it's, it, it's interesting you mentioned the team, right? Uh, um, I still remember when I became the dean or became the department chair, um, um, one piece of advice um, I got from my own dad, who was the president of a bank, and, and, and he said to me, uh, remember, your, this is your team now. Um, you cannot complain about your team. You have to make sure that each one of them is the best version of themselves. Uh, and, and can you motivate them and can you motivate yourself um, to be the best version of themselves? And if you do that really well and if you empower them, uh, then you'll be successful. Uh, and if you don't and if you complain and you're not a solution seeker, uh, then uh, you'll be going around in circles. And that advice helped me a lot. Uh, I, I occasionally talked to him and I said, I'm about my frustrations on things that are not, that were not going well. And he gave me good advice. And he, he always used this T-Boon Pickens saying, um, when you're chasing down elephants, don't get distracted by rabbits. <laughs> okay. And, and, and which was like, keep, keep the big picture in focus. Uh, and so how do you do that with your team? How, how do you keep, because you can get easily get mired down in day-to-day issues which do not move the agenda of the people or the institution forward. And so how do you always go back and say, okay, um, how do I change that? And so your team has to do that. You yourself just cannot do it. You have to be the person who helps empower your team members to make that happen. Yeah, no doubt. You know, one of the things we've talked about Anand, is the, you know, the personal leadership moments that each of us have had, you know, is there a, do you recall or remember, you know, for, for many of us, it was a, you know, a crystallized moment in time. I mean, it was a journey, but there was a step along the way that is particularly memorable, you know, where you decided to take up, you know, the burden and privilege of leadership versus, you know, just doing research and education and, and engineering yourself. Is there a is there a moment for you when it when that sort of switch went on? Yes, uh, and it's interesting. Um, um, I was uh, when when you wear a senior leadership hat, um, 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 every bad decision you make uh, gets magnified because one bad decision you make, uh, everybody follows that, and. You can imagine if there are 12 department chairs reporting to me, that gets magnified 12 times. And that gets that goes on through the system. And it happened to be once. Okay. And so uh, and I I talk about it with my dad, and he, he told me read the book Into Thin Air. Uh, it's a book about climbing Mount Everest. Or, or it, it should be a book about not climbing the Mount Everest. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, it was uh, it was one of the biggest tragedies tragedies that took place in Mount, on Mount Everest, when novice climbers were guided uh, by 
excellent trainers to climb Mount Everest as part of international trekking. Uh, if I believe correctly, eight people died. Hmm. My dad told me, read the book. Uh, and there are more lessons about leadership in that book. Because, and tell me what you learned. Uh, and the one thing I learned, it's a very interesting read. Uh, and in fact, they made a movie out of it. Was right. how important sometimes it's not to make the right decision. Uh, how important it is not for you to not to make the wrong decision. And asking novices to climb Mount Everest, even when they paid handsomely, was the biggest mistake ever made. And it cost eight individuals, including the trainer, his life, which could have been easily been avoided. And so when I, when I read that book, uh, and I realized the mistakes I had made, and I said, um, I came back and said, in future, whenever, whenever I'm going to make a decision that has going to have tremendous institutional impact, uh, I would take the good counsel of people around me. And also the, the people who are going to be impacted by the decision. Right. Um, that doesn't mean I will be hesitant in making the decision, but I will let them speak up, let them look at the pros and cons. And, and I think that book, uh, my experiences in making uh, the bad decision sort of translated that um, I, I will pick the phone, talk to people who work with me, people above me, people uh, who have less experience than me because there might be a perspective, uh, there might be a viewpoint, there might be an individual thought process that I may have not thought through uh, because I'm coming from a, a different vantage point. Well, I think it speaks to the that importance of, you know, diverse thinking, different experiences, different perspectives. Sure. You, know, all of, you know, one of the things that uh, we try to do with this this playbook and you know framework is to recognize that uh, you know there are there's so many different dimensions to successful leadership, and that mastering you know even a portion of them is a is a lifelong effort for for many. Um, but the only real way to, to sort of bring excellence to the full, you know, 360 that you need is, is to make sure that you've got a team that uh, excels at lots of areas where, you know, may, might be things. I, I, I tell people, I said, it's really, really important to know what I stink at. It's yeah. <laughs> more important than it is to know what I'm good at, right? And, uh, and to make sure that you've got the team mindset that figures out how to, how to again, not just building ourselves as individual leaders, but how do we build that team perspective and sort of make sure we're covering all the all the fronts that uh, impact leadership overall? And, and you know, the, the pandemic has stressed people. The pandemic has stressed leadership. Um, uh, even now, um, how many times have you had a meeting with uh, your direct supervisor or someone who reports to you? And you make a decision and then you go back home and and you drive back and you, you think back and say, did that play out the way I wanted it to play out or I could have done better? Um, and um, it, it, recently, we, um, 
with the whole dialogue of back to work, back to workplace. Uh, I still remember uh, uh, at Clemson, uh, I was speaking about it. Uh, I went home, talked to my wife, and she says, um, I hope you realize, Anand, she said to me, uh, that people who work for you uh, may also be the primary caregivers at home. Uh, when, when a kid comes back home, uh, he doesn't ask, where is dad? He asks, where is mom? Uh, and, and you can, <laughs> uh, and, and which is true in my family and I, I think in most families, and you can imagine uh, there's a reason why they ask, where is mom? Uh, and so um, just today I was listening to statistics that uh, the pandemic has been unforgiving on women employees. Uh, Two million women asked are out of job, not because they are out of job, it's because uh, it has stressed them to the extent that they have, had, they have made the choice uh, to forego their jobs to be with their family. And, and so they are uh, the people who have sacrificed uh, their work um, progress, or career progress for the families. Uh, and so, how do you take that into account as a leader when you are talking to your female employees? Um, uh, because they are the ones who are more stressed than the male employees. And it's, um, it's implicit bias um, that comes with men. So how do we navigate to that? Uh, and um, who did I learn that from is uh, just talking to my wife, right? Uh, and so uh, then you come back and recalibrate and tell the people who work for you, sorry, I was wrong. Uh, I made a mistake. I should have never said that. And it takes, uh, it, it takes some challenge to accept that you were wrong. Uh, um, but, uh, but you have to learn from your own mistakes and sometimes learn from what others tell you. So uh, I, I think uh, when people do that, um, People who work with you, who report to you, and uh, admire that much more um, than being entrenched in your decisions. Yeah. Well, it's 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 the old adage, you know. You don't you don't learn a lot by winning. Yep. You you learn so much more from your losses because winning just reinforces your beliefs that you already had and your knowledge that you already possessed. And, yeah. and uh, you know, but in making mistakes, or as you say, you know those especially ones that impact a broad group of folks that you're working with or working for you or across institutions and organizations. Um, you know, that's, that's what I call expensive tuition. So it'd be a shame to waste it and not learn from it and, and take uh, it down. Absolutely. And, and so when a young engineer or a young computer scientist graduates from Clemson, I always tell them, um, uh, now you've got your first job. Um, um, and you're going to be on an interview. Not only you want to be a great engineer, but you want to be the brand ambassador for the com company. And how do you conduct yourself that somebody looks at you and says, wow, that person is not just a fantastic engineer, but just a fantastic individual. And, and, and people, and I told them that once you are a good engineer, you have the technical skills, you'll be surprised how much people hire based on your likability index. 
than your technical skills because everybody is looking at it. They interview you to see whether how will you fit in this team? What will be your demeanor? Will you be disruptive? Will you be collaborative? Uh, right. Would you be able to lead? Okay. Uh, because at some level, everybody has a, a base level of technical skill set. So, so have you developed that? And can we develop that in our students? Um, as they um, as they grow through their careers, uh, I wish I had that high likability index. Um, <laughs> uh, would have helped me a lot more uh, uh, now and later um, in life. Well, as we, you know, one of our primary goals at engineering leadership is to make it easier, you know, for those leading companies or communities you know, to engage, give back, give young engineers the benefit of, you know, everything we've learned and all the mistakes we've made and, and sort of lessons that have been delivered to us as we've learned those over the years. Um, wh what would you say to those that, you know, would like to help, would like to give back, maybe feel like they don't have the time, don't have access to the right channels? What's, you know, what are, what are some of the ways you see um, to participate and, and, uh, you know, engage and, and, and start earlier. Again, I think on this, you know, part of our thinking is, can we get folks to do that earlier in their career and while they're still learning and, and perhaps even at the earlier stages of leadership versus, you know, perhaps later when they think they'll have, quote, more time? Um, any recommended courses of action, engagement, uh, ideas? One of the ways we can inculcate that behavior uh, of giving back is having students tutor, uh, helping students um, who need help most. And it's peer-to-peer -peer mentoring, okay? It's planning. Uh, and and I, I think you have to talk to a successful tutor or, or tutors to see how good they feel about themselves when they tutor someone who was not successful uh, and did well in that exam and were able to pass that course. Uh, in a way, uh, they are giving back their time, uh, but also they gain a lot themselves. Uh, and people don't realize that when you do that, uh, it improves your self-esteem and self-worth sort of in your own eyes, right? Um, and But you had done what I call as greater good. Uh, and and we need more people to do the greater good. Um, and, and, and once you catch that bug, uh, uh, it's catching that bug. Once yeah. you did it, then, then you, you tend to do that not just in the engineering classroom. You go out and do that in your company. Uh, you go out and do it in your civil settings. Um, it's... How do we get people excited and so that they catch the bug of giving back the time? And once a person gives back the time, uh, then they start thinking smarter and say, okay, now I'm earning money. I can give back my money and buy somebody else's time. Okay. And so then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where the really good ones are giving both. The money as well as time, and, and so it starts at the at the very beginning, where people start mentoring each other, developing relationships, 
uplifting others as simple as helping in a study hall, working with a student to better in the classroom. And we can do that as part of, and we have tried to do that as part of an active mentoring process right in a freshman year. We have got something called the UTAS, undergraduate teaching assistants. These are undergraduates who serve as teaching assistants in the general engineering program. And there's a cadre of people who do that. At the university level, there's something called the Clemson ambassadors. These are the folks who will give tours to parents come rain or shine, uh, um, uh, or shine. They will be out there in the Clemson gear um, doing the same tour, but they are so proud of sharing uh, why they came to Clemson, what, what got them to Clemson, and why it's the best place for the parents to send their child to Clemson. So it's just, uh, in terms of the compensation they get, it's minimal at best, but why they're doing it is because they want to give back to the institution that got them excited about being over here in the first place. Great. No, great ideas. And I do think that mentoring is certainly a core principle of engineering leadership. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that we are doing with, with all the interviews and, and contributions we're getting from the contributors and all these engineering leaders that have taken the time to talk to us is, you know, committing to them that, you know, providing a good channel for that feedback to get delivered. Um, you know, I do think that we'll continue to hopefully develop, you know, as we all get back on campus and physical interactions that we can, you know, get more of these folks together live and, and engage with the students in many different forums um, and trying to make that as easy and, and uh, sort of you know, pre-engineered, if you would, an engagement model. So they don't have to show up and wonder, who do I talk to? How do I engage? Absolutely. Is there a place I can do a, you know, give a seminar, help a class, you know? So I think as we develop this program out, you know, that, that's, I just want that to be on the back of everybody's mind of, hey, however you choose to engage, we'll find a way to make it efficient for you, make it easy for you to do, and make sure that we get the most out of the effort and touch the, the broadest number of students we possibly can with the work. Exactly. And, and so means I go back and look at my own experiences. Uh, I, I still remember when I was my, doing my doctoral work, uh, I shared an office uh, uh, with my fellow uh, colleague. Uh, and she, every morning, uh, used to come dressed up, ready to work, as though she was working the corporate world. Uh, while I looked like I had just rolled out of bed. Okay, uh, and working on my computer. Finally, I asked her, um, why do you do that? Why do you come like as though you have come um, for quote unquote real job? And, 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 and she gave me a good response. If I don't feel good about myself, how do you feel about the, good about the work I will do? I, I, I looked at her. I said, I just cannot do it. I said, he said to me, Anand, I feel first good about myself. I feel ready to go to work. I need to fill in the mindset. And I'm here for a job and I'm going to interact with other people. I'm going to interact with students. I'm a research assistant as well as teaching assistant. I had to dress the part. 
I have to act the part and I have to execute the part. And a lot of people would come to my office, our office, but all of them came to meet her. And then I said, probably they don't want to meet me because I just rolled out of bed. And, and guess what? One fine morning, I changed it. I said, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to mimic Kara. I'm going to do exactly what she's doing. Unknowingly, she became my mentor. Okay. And I said, and she looked at me, what's up with you? I said, I'm doing exactly what you're doing. And I think that was um, sort of um, an understanding I realized during my graduate days that mentors can come in any form, any shape, your friends, your colleagues, uh, anyone. You, you, you just have to find out the good in that person. And if you find that good in that person and say, I would like to be like that person, um, you can you can use that them and create them as informal mentors. And I think that helped me throughout my career. Uh, the, the advice I got from her. Well, I think it's a good lesson that you know everybody we encounter has something to teach us. Right? Yes, if we're, if we're willing to learn. Well, um, you know, I know we're running up on time, but I, I want to thank you so much for your participation, sponsorship, support, encouragement, ideas uh, that have been so important to bring together the folks that we've been able to to help participate with us in engineering leadership. It's a, it's a tremendous group of people that have been tremendously generous in their time. And, uh, and I know they're excited about your vision for how to, you know, continue to develop leadership as a teachable, learnable, you know, engineering approach to leadership that everybody can, can engage with. And I think, uh, you know, as we, as we continue to work on that, we hope you'll You'll join us over the months and years to come as we continue to build on the program. And uh, again, can't thank you enough for, for helping us out to get started with, with such a good group of people. And Doug, let me thank you and Athena for what you all have done, uh, casting this vision and interviewing um, uh, some of uh, the true leaders uh, coming out of Clemson University. I, I think, um, let me be thankful for what they have done uh, sparing the time to talk to uh, you. Um, there are going to be wonderful nuggets uh, of wisdom going to come out from those interviews. But I, I think you're going to develop a legion of fans uh, over the years uh, who are going to watch this. Um, uh, like I said, when we started, uh, sometimes you don't realize uh, the impact of the body of work uh, when you're creating it. Uh, it's like uh, 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 great painters uh, they never realize the value of the painting, uh, and I'm not suggesting um, until they're gone. But uh, but later on, you realize the value of your body of work, and when you go come back, and as this gets evolved over time, people will um, realize that, that the seeds that you all sowed here, uh, uh, Clemson uh, Engineering, Computing and Applied Science, will always always be thankful for your tireless devotion to this project. So thank you once again. Thank you, Anand. And that's, appreciate it. Go Tigers. Okay, go Tigers. Take care. Bye now. Engineering Leadership is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping engineers enhance their leadership skills. 
You can download resources to accelerate your leadership skills by going to www.engineering-leadership.com.